What's the worst thing for you in your health that you drink in the morning? Dr. Pepper. Okay, you got some this morning, right I think. Yes. You came in with some Chick-fil-A. I have some right now. Okay. And Dr. Jared? Um, I believe it was called a Rockstar Recovery. It's got stuff that's supposed to protect your liver. Okay. Supposed to protect your liver. I suddenly feel good about my cold uh, coffee. <laughs> I didn't think it was that great for me, but now I suddenly feel good. No. Dr. Pepper. If Jared told me he was drinking gasoline in the morning, I'd <laughs> probably believe him. Recovering from something. <laughs> I'm just recovering from having to live my life. <laughs> I like that you're you have found an energy drink that is somehow supposed to be good for you. I mean, it's supposed to counteract the effects of, of the, something else that's bad. Yeah, for yeah. Something else is bad for when me. You see the word recovery; it <laughs> kind of puts in perspective what might have happened before Do you that. Then need to drink something to recover from the energy drink. Yeah, that's what the water is for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, might as well get started. <laughs> The first bite. Oh, God. Why did no one show up to the watch UNLV? Announced attendance. Announced. They announced. 637 yeah. people. Yeah, announced. Did that include the concession workers? Probably. Had to include the ushers. There might have been more people working the game last night than actually showed up to watch it. I saw your pictures in Gramala's, and it was just stunning. Yeah. I mean... The first picture I saw, I don't know, was your Gramala. Someone tweeted, I'm like, oh, you know, I, I wasn't paying attention to the time. I'm like, oh, you know, it's a long way to go. Three minutes before tip-off. <laughs> like, oh, my God, there's nobody there. Um, you also tweeted. Okay, so let's go one by one. I think there might be a lot of reasons. What were the ticket prices last night? Because I think you tweeted at one point, I could have gone to the Golden Knights for cheaper. So the, the ticket prices is interesting here because Golden Knights tickets, according to an Alan Snell tweet, 30 minutes before the game were as low as $19. Before okay. fees, but All you could have right. bought a Golden Knights ticket for $19, which is very cheap. Yes. I mean, that's for any sporting event. I mean, hell, that's Las Vegas Lights tickets right. price right there, 19 bucks. Now, granted, that's 13 minutes before, right? If, or 30 minutes You're before. You're standing outside the arena hoping. Right. If you yeah. had bought them five hours before the game, it right. would have been significantly more than 19 bucks. But $19, 30 minutes before. UNLV tickets. I saw a lot of UNLV fans complaining uh, about the ticket prices for this game. You could have bought a ticket to that game for $29. At any time? Yeah, at any point in time. Okay. You could have bought a, a ticket to last night's UNLV game for $29. You can buy one. They played Mandalay Bay yeah. on Saturday again. You can buy a ticket to that game for $29. So let me ask you this. UNLV basketball, $29 ticket. Is that too expensive? Oh, man, that's a great question. Division one basketball, boy, am I crazy to say yes? Based on attendance, I mean, yeah, if I'm sitting at the top or, or you know, wherever, you're, you're behind the basket. Yeah, they didn't even. The th here's the funny part about this: UNLV played at Mandalay Bay, um, which seats what, like ten thousand yeah. people or something like that. Maybe not even. They didn't even sell tickets in like the sort of second sec, the upper section at Mandalay Bay, and it's not even like there's technically an upper bowl. There's just an upper and lower section. They well, it didn't even if sell I was tickets. upper, I could have walked down. <laughs> yes, they didn't even sell tickets in the upper section right. of Mandalay Bay last night. So here's my thing: twenty nine dollars to me, it's not it's not some ridiculous price, right? You can go to that game on Saturday for twenty nine dollars. People suggested, oh, they should they should sell tickets for like ten bucks or whatever. There were some people saying free. If you're not buying a ticket for $29, I don't think there's that many people that are then suddenly buying it for $10. Like, you might add 100 people, but 
if we're talking about 737 people were at that game, we're still having the same conversation, right? I don't think ticket prices are going to change the attendance significantly one way or the other. I don't think giving away free tickets is going to change the ticket prices. Because hell, UNLV basketball, their normal home games at Thomas and Mac, they give free tickets to students. There's like seven of them right, at those games. Right. So I don't even think giving away free tickets would drastically change UNLV's attendance. This is I don't think this is about ticket prices. I don't think this is about anything really more than the UNLV basketball program is not very good, and it hasn't been very good for eight years. That's the problem here. They are not playing important games. Nobody in this town is like, oh, yeah, I want to go see UNLV play Seattle. Seattle. No, nobody's interested in that. There were some people that were interested in going to watch them play UCLA, right? That was There were probably yeah. a legitimate five, 6,000 people yeah. in the building for the game against UCLA. But nobody's interested in watching a team that has no NCAA tournament hopes play Seattle. And that's what it is. It doesn't matter if you give away tickets for free. Somebody tweeted at me saying, hey, uh, they should, you know, have ticket packages with the rodeo where you get a UNLV ticket or they should do uh, dining credit with UNLV with tickets to this game so you can eat at Mandalay Bay. And it's like, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, that sounds like put a package, put a deal together. But there's only like 50 more people that are buying tickets if you do that. No, You're not significantly that. changing the demand, even if you give the tickets well, away for Well, and free. the other thing I hear is, because um, you and I have obviously covered events at Mandalay Bay. You go in the parking, you have to, you don't really walk through the casino. You walk through a bunch of restaurants, and then you get there. It's like, well, do I want to do that? Do I want to do that? I think you'd want to do that if they're in the top 25. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think you'd put up with, I'm saying put up with, but it's different than just driving in the Thomas Mack parking lot and just walking into the game. This you have to work a little harder to get to the arena, not that hard. But if they were top 25, I think people would put up with that much easier than they do or much simpler than they do now, which they don't. Yeah. If they were top 25, that's a like an event night. That's like a, hey, guys, uh, right. clear your schedule. We're going to the Mandalay Bay. Like for this thing, we're going to get food. We're going to then we're going to go watch UNLV play. You know, With Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. If they're if, if they were like, like ranked 18th in the country, you're getting yeah, a lot more yeah. people to watch Seattle and, every single and, one, and some of these teams that they've been playing. Yeah. So, like, what was it? 2011, UNLV when they beat number one North Carolina uh, at the Orleans. That was at the Orleans, right? That game yes. was sold out, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. No, we're a decade later, and in 2011, UNLV was actually in the middle of going to NCAA tournaments on a regular basis. And they played number one North Carolina. There's obviously a lot of different factors, but UNLV can get fans to go to games that are not the Thomas and Mac. Like the idea that it's inconvenient to go to Mandalay Bay, I understand that, but it's inconvenient to go to the Orleans too. Like it's not like it's just as inconvenient to go yeah, there to, yeah. as it is Mandalay you Bay. You have to walk through to get to the arena. Right. You have to walk in to get to the arena. I, I get all But that. if it's an important game, people are going to show up. People are going to be there. And UNLV in 2011 playing North Carolina was an important game, right? UNLV playing pretty much anybody this year isn't that important of a game. And that's the issue here. It's to me, there's that that's it. There's nothing else. Like it's you can complain about UNLV not marketing enough. You can complain about ticket prices. You can complain about the vaccine mandate at Thomas and Matt. That's another thing I saw all over Twitter last which, night. The vaccine by the way, mandate. There is no vaccine mandate at Mandalay right, Bay. Right. Like you, you don't have to be vaccinated to go to that people game. In, you had one in, opportunity to yeah. come see the team. Two, well, two, they play two, you're right. Were people in masks? 
Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you could count everybody by hand. Okay. So. Well, yeah. they, a lot of people they want to keep their jobs. This this was the one <laughs> event where ushers could have actually kicked people out for not wearing their masks because the ushers. Because there was one person they, in the, the row that like, hey, you've got to leave. Yeah. Now. <laughs> the, the ushers could have outnumbered all them. the eighty-five-year-old ushers team up. <laughs> but it's it's not any of that. It's not ticket prices. It's not the lack of marketing. It's not a vaccine mandate. Not, none of that really matters when you're talking about six hundred thirty-seven people showing up. What matters is the the quality of the product on the floor has not been good enough, and it's not a this year problem. This isn't just no, like oh, this has been going on for Kevin Kruger's team is so bad we don't no. want to watch him. See, it's that for eight seasons now they haven't been to the tournament. They haven't haven't been to the tournament. Haven't been on the bubble. Like it's not even like oh. Hey, we're showing up in February. If they beat Boise State tonight, we might be in Joe right. Lenardi's projected bracket first tomorrow. Team, first team out. Or first they're not, team they're last close team to in. that, right? right? Like, that's the problem for UNLV basketball. That's why, and again, it's been eight years of that. One or two years of that, people will still would still be there, right? If, it, if they had been in the NCAA tournament like three years ago, and they sucked just as much as they do now, people would still be showing up. But when you're going on almost a decade of just meaningless games and games where you, I mean, seasons where you have no hope. I mean, I'm trying to think back over the last eight seasons. What I, was the closest? Was it, uh, Menzies beating Utah. It, That's the last time I can remember thinking, Oh, UNLV won a game that could actually Rice's something. final year. Yeah. I mean, the, the last two Dave Rice years were, we went into both seasons thinking they could make the tournament. This team would go to the tournament. Right. The year Dave Rice got fired was the year they beat, uh, what was it, Indiana and Oregon. and I remember them beating Oregon. Somebody else I'm, yes. I'm blanking yes. on. And that they actually, that non-conference run, they were like, oh, this team could actually make the NCAA right. tournament. And then they lost three straight Mountain West games, and it was like, ah, they're not making the tournament. Dave Rice got fired. But that was certainly a time where you thought, yeah, UNLV could make the tournament. And then when, when Menzies beat Utah, you looked around saying, Okay, like Brandon McCoy's here. They thumped Utah, too. Like, it wasn't even close. Right. It was like, that's a good win. That's going to help them. That's really, those, those are pretty much the two moments in eight years where you looked around saying this team might have a chance, and then by January, both both seasons were done for. And so that's the issue with UNLV basketball. There, there's nothing else. Like, all the other complaints, I think, are pretty invalid. It's just people aren't that intrigued by this team. They don't want to show up to watch this team. Can he get them back if... He beats San Diego State to open conference play, and for the first, let's say, half of conference play, they're in the top three. What's your definition of get them back? Uh, like how like many the, fans? The, the, the fans that came to the UCLA game, I think legitimate 5,000. Possibly, yeah. Like that, I think that is maybe the ceiling on attendance for any single game this year, is five to 6,000 people actually in Thomas and Mac. But they're not they're January not January first will be interesting. It will be. That's New Year's Day. San Diego State yeah. to the open conference. New Year's Day against a... Uh, one of the few opponents on the schedule you'd expect to draw fans right. to. So I, yeah, that'll be an interesting one to see, especially if they lose one of these next three games too, where you're certainly looking at the season as a lost year, but that's like UNLV has got to play a relevant game at some point in their next few years. The, you've got to think, Oh, we could go to the NCAA and you have to tournament. win the relevant game. Right. And at some point win them too. But that's, I mean, I don't think this year there's anything they can do to get more than five or 6,000 in there. Right. Like I guess if they are, Almost undefeated in like Mountain nine West. And one That's what I was playing. But even sudden, then, yeah. if they if they start off nine and one in Mountain West play, they're still probably not an NCAA tournament team. They still no, have to win. Their their, yeah, yeah, they're gonna have to win their conference tournament. Like they're they're still probably not on the bubble if they're yeah. nine and one. But maybe that maybe that would help boost it up a little bit. But it's 
they've got to go to the NCAA tournament, and then the attendance will start mm-hmm. to pick back up. But that's what I like. They've got to go to the tournament, and I don't even think in like let's say next year they're an NCAA tournament team and they they get off to a great start and everything. I still don't think you're getting over ten thousand people at Thomas and Mac until this team goes to the tournament, and then the next season is still good. Right. Like that's what's gonna you're gonna have to legitimately prove it. Like oh wow. UNLV got the 11 seed and pulled off a first round mm-hmm. upset. Oh, we should go watch them play because they're five and zero the next year. Like that's what it's going to take for UNLV to have any semblance of you know a real college basketball crowd again. I mean, I'm I know Kevin wants them to come out. I know he's trying to do things, but I think it comes down to like you said, they they just got to win games. And they've got to win important games, and they haven't been able to do that. And last night was looking at your pictures and Mike's pictures, I mean, beyond disappointing. It's, it was, it, it was I mean, it was, I mean, Mike Ramal actually had a tweet. I counted. <laughs> he did. And he probably did. He probably sat there and counted, and he came up with 300. I sat which next to him. I, I think it was probably 298. 300 is a very solid, uh, up, uh, <laughs> you know, straight-ahead number to actually have in there. There's a video online that talks about the saddest baseball game ever played, and it was a Marlins game where a guy basically extrapolated that, at a major league in a major league baseball stadium, there were more people employed by the team, including the players, than there were fans. And there were in fans the, in the stands. Yeah, Marlins used to have some crazy no numbers, but so last night was yeah. That's pretty cool. Coming up next, Pete DeBoer's a genius, isn't he? Stevenson banks at left point, one timer, kick save, loose out in front, jammed in. They've scored. Pacioretty puts the Knights on top. He found the loose puck at the left post. He rolled it in over top of Holtby. Knights take the first lead of the day, 5-4, with four minutes to go in the third. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. The Golden Knights came back last night to beat the Dallas Stars 5-4. They did not lead until they scored that fifth goal. Did Pete DeBoer... Did he save the game by yanking Robin Leonard out? The Stars had scored three goals on the first 10 shots of the game. All three goals were power play goals, uh, but three goals on the first 10 shots. Leonard gets pulled. In comes Laurent Brossois. Afterwards, uh, it was near unanimous from the players and Pete DeBoer that it wasn't really Robin Leonard's fault for those goals, that he didn't get pulled out of the game because they were you know, bad goals given up. But it was more of a, hey... Wake the hell up, everybody else. You guys need to play better. And the Golden Knights came back to win. So do we give credit to Pete DeBoer for pulling the goalie? I'll tell you who uh, believes he should get credit is the crowd who was cheering as Robin (laughs) Leonard skated off. Boy, we still have the flurry nonsense here. It's just your goalie gets pulled, you're at home, and you're cheering when he gets replaced. And I'm telling you, that's still a flurry hangover. It is amazing. That's why January 8th, I've never looked forward to covering something as much as I am being at that flurry game and to see the response to him and if Leonard has a bad night. Well, yesterday, Jared and I were talking, will Golden Knights fans actually cheer if they score on flurry? Yeah, I think majority gets caught up in the game, and if their team scores, they 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 cheer. Now, will it be as, you know, everyone cheering? I don't know about that, but I think if they score, they'll cheer. I, I can't believe if they Mark Stone scores a goal, it's complete <laughs> silence. I mean, that would be awesome. That would be great. It would be hilarious, but Ooh, I think. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't think it'll be silence. I think it'll be, no. quit being mean to Flurry. We could hear some. What do you think? I, I think they cheer. I think they cheer. I assume they, they cheer. I assume they cheer yeah. if he scores. I assume it's it's a normal, right? But that, it might die down quicker. Like last night, maybe. they said Ben and these guys are tweeting. 
that, you know, a lot of media tweeted that it was the loudest they've heard in a long time, which, again, you come back from, what, 4-2? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be crazy in that place. Yeah. I mean, it was a phenomenal third period. I mean, that's a phenomenal comeback. That's why, like, that's the game. Why people that, like, go to a hockey game would fall in love with it. Yes, because you'd absolutely. be like that atmosphere, thinking and that that's how it is all the time. Right, it's like is, yeah, it's not like that all the time. Is about as good as it gets. Now, on polling, Robin Leonard. This is interesting because Pete DeBoer, he hasn't pulled his goalie here in Vegas very often. No, right now, granted, no, doesn't have his goaltending has been good pretty much right. the entire time that he's been here. I mean, last year he had the Vesna winner and Robin Leonard right. on his team. This year, Leonard's been pretty good for the most part, right? So it's not like he's had a lot of bad goalies. When he was in San Jose, he pulled his goalies quite a bit, or at least when they played the Golden Knights, they seemed to pull well, their goalie in every single game. He had some bad goalkeepers. His goaltenders were very bad yeah. there. So last night, Pete DeBoer said something along the lines of, you know, I, I don't normally pull goalies to create a spark, right? He said that that's not something he normally does, but he thought that it was the right thing to do last night, which is interesting because I think it's dumb to pull the goalie to try to motivate the rest of the team, right? I think that's a dumb thing because, and this is a good example of it, where you're now losing in the game, usually by multiple goals when you pull the goalie. You're now losing the game. You need to come back and win. Your best chance to come back and win is with your best goalie in the net. And so to pull a goalie and then say it's not his fault, you're basically saying, well, I'm going to put a less talented guy on the ice when we need to come back and win the game. I in gen- I hate that idea, and it kind of sounds like Pete DeBoer doesn't really ascribe to that thinking most nights either, but last night he did, which is kind of weird that you'd have a coach, in a way, go against what he normally does. And also, you pull him, it's not like Kevin Kruger benching his starting five. So he says it's to motivate the other guys and get the other guys going. They're still going to play. Right. So it's not like, hey, Stone, I pulled this right. guy, you're next. It's like, no, you just pulled one guy. <laughs> We're still going to play all our shifts. Right. I mean, you are basically what shifts. He basically said. Shifts. What, shifts. What happened last night is Pete DeBoer and Mark Stone said it afterwards too. Mark Stone and Pete DeBoer both basically said the team did not play well enough in the first portion of the game. And Robin Leonard got punished for everybody else sucking. Right. Because like you said, you're not pulling Mark Stone no, out of the game. Just keep playing. It, it could be everything could have been Mark Stone's fault last night in the first three goals or whatever, and you're not pulling Mark Stone out of the game. But Robin Leonard got punished for what everybody else did. And that's sort of why it's a dumb thing in general to pull a goalie to try to motivate the rest of the team. Did it work last night? I think that's playing the results more than it is actually what happened, right? Like The the reason the Golden Knights came back and won last night is because Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Chandler Stevenson were awesome. Like They were unbelievable. They were good the entire game. But they were unbelievable in the third period. I mean, well, it was back-to-back shifts. They scored the tying and game-winning yeah. goal, right? I mean, that was like simultaneous almost shifts for them to score the tying and game-winning goal. And like they were done. Their Corsi was 73%. Their expected goals was 75%. When those three were on the ice, they outscored Dallas 3-0 last night. Like, that's why they won the game. Not because, oh, Leonard got pulled and suddenly Mark Stone realized, ooh, I should try to score. Like, no, those guys are just really good at hockey and they took over a game in the third period. And probably, as you you have down here in the rundown, first was through a screen, third was a deflection. Pavelski's great at that, one of the best. Second was a rebound, so one of three maybe his Right, fault? of the three goals, maybe, you're, the yeah. Rebound? And even that one, you wouldn't even still really still on a say, power play, though. Right, even that, exactly. Which, 
on a power play, you're more likely to give up a rebound because you sure. have one less player, you have one less player to clear a rebound. Yeah. So you look at the three goals. Yeah, you would not. I don't think you, anybody would walk away looking at those three goals saying, "Wow, this Leonard guy sucks. He needs to get off the ice." Are you like, surprised they cheered? Um, yeah, I, I was a little surprised yeah. they cheered. Like, yeah. Because yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I've believed most of the. I've obviously there's some extremes, but I've believed most of the time that the fan base doesn't actually dislike Robin Leonard. They just they love Mark Andre Yeah, sad that yes. Flurry's gone. Obviously, yeah. there's a handful of fans that do dislike Robin Leonard, but I've never really felt oh, there's this strong dislike for Leonard. It's just oh, they love Flurry and they're right. sad to see Flurry gone, and Leonard just happens to be the guy that's there, but. To cheer when he gets pulled, that is very much saying there's a dislike of Robin Leonard, right? Like that's very much Absolutely. saying there's there's people that are at at the game that dislike Robin Leonard, which is bizarre because I don't I don't know what Robin Leonard would have done so far for you to actually dislike well, Robin Leonard. He never did anything, even when the trade happened, right? right? I mean, they tr- they decided to move on from Flurry and keep the guy they gave five years, twenty five million dollars to. I, I think that was his deal. It was a five year deal. Yeah. I mean, that's they decided that seven million for two goalies and and to keep the guy with seven millions wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't a smart thing to do. So he's never really done anything to deserve being booed. No, not at all. Or he's not even booed, but cheered when he leaves is kind of the same thing. Yeah, it is right. If you're getting cheered for doing poorly versus booed yeah, for doing, thing. yeah, it's yeah, that's the same thing. They might as well have booed him. Although that would have been interesting if they had booed. Well, the if they booed him, people would have thought, "Oh, they don't like the change." Right? Then they would have been like, "Wow, they hate yeah. this Laurent Brossois guy. <laughs> what did he do?" And the guy with the uh, French name who doesn't speak French would have been going on and saying, "Hey, what the hell? What the, what the hell are you booing me for?" All right, coming up next, Jeff Erickson is going to join the show from RotoWire. If you have fantasy football questions, now is the time. We've got a text line six nine one eight seven is the number. You text those in, we will ask them to Jeff. Erickson 69187 is the text line. Make sure you put ESPN, those four letters, ESPN in front of your message. So send it to the number 69187 and type ESPN and whatever your fantasy football question is. It is a brutal week with bye week oh some God. reason still existing and every player in existence is somehow hurt. Everyone's so, questionable. Yeah, fantasy football question for Jeff Erickson 69187. The thing that you're seeing is sometimes the pass that looks errant is because uh, the receiver, for instance, ran the route, uh, cut it off two yards shorter. He should be out two more yards before he makes his cuts. It can make all the difference in the world as far as his ability to separate. It has a relativeness to the other receivers. And so if you're not really crisp, on the way the play was designed relative to how many yards you go, the cut, uh, then you passing game can look really off. And uh, that's one of the answers. Better routes. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from RotoWire is Jeff Erickson. Uh, 69187 is the text line. We'll ask Jeff your fantasy football questions. We will not ask Jerry Jones your fantasy football questions. But if you have them, please text them in now. 69187 is the text line. Preface your message. Put ESPN before whatever your question is and send it to 69187. Um, 
Uh, Jeff, we'll start with the first question we have in here, which is about the breaking news for fantasy football this morning. Should I still start Alexander Madison with reports that Dalvin Cook will play tonight? No. Um, I think you, uh, if, if Cook plays, uh, at most, Madison gets a half-time share against the Steelers. I, it's going to radically change my rankings. You, you play Cook if you have him. It's not like Madison's been so good that he demands playing time like A.J. Dillon on Green Bay. Uh, this is more of a situation where he's a backup and Cook is a starter. So uh, Madison's a bench and Cook is a start. How much do you trust right now? And we saw him, I think, in a limited role, someone like Aaron Jones. He's one of the toughest ranks of the week. It's it's tough call there. Um, I think that uh, Aaron Jones could be end up around 10 for me. Okay. And Dylan's only going to be like 13 to 15. It's going to be really close to each other. I just think the genie's out of the bottle with the Packers. I mean, Dylan is so good. And then with increasing work, he gets better. He's one of those guys that just wears on you, kind of like Taylor, kind of like Derrick Henry. Uh, the more work he gets, the better off he is. I'm just going to take a couple of seconds here to complain for myself. I'm in a, it's a keeper league, but we only keep four per year. And I had A.J. Okay. Dillon, but I had to not keep him because I had better options because the Packers were morons and re-signed Aaron Jones. Yeah, who did you keep instead? Uh, let's see. I ended up keeping Jonathan Taylor, Allen Robinson. Um, who else did I keep? Oh, Alvin Kamara, but he's in the last year of his of my contract and one other that I can't remember off the top of my head. It was still decent well, keepers. Robinson's but... a culprit there. Yes. I, 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 now I sent See the real frustration here. This is an Allen Robinson problem. Well, yes, that too. It is, it is an Allen Robinson problem. But I was very, what was January or February, I was very mad at the Packers when they re-signed Aaron Jones because they, they set themselves up perfectly. They were like, we're not going to pay a running back. We drafted his replacement. A.J. Dillon had the one game last year where he played and had like 120 yards. And then they were like, yeah, let's give Aaron Jones a big, I'm just still mad about it. It's still annoying. Sure. It's a lot of teams want to have two running backs they trust, and they thought that Jones's contract was club friendly, so they were able to. They thought they could pull it, um, and did that instead of going out and getting Aaron Rodgers another receiver. Yeah, they got Randall Cobb. Have you yeah. given up on still Brian Edwards? Oh, I, I'm I'm so done with Brian. I mean, I think he. I, I'm not done with him as a person, but uh, <laughs> I'm done ranking him. I'm done starting him. I'm done. You, and it's not – I just don't think they I, – I see something different in him than the Raiders do, than Derek Carr does, because I I think he's a good receiver, runs good routes, but they just doesn't get the targets. And he – I've stopped trying to make him happen. i stopped trying to make Nicole Hardman happen. i stopped trying to make Robbie Anderson happen. I'm just – I'm done. Um what what are you doing with Patrick Mahomes as far as rankings? Like, obviously, there's the potential there that he's the best quarterback in any given week, but – He's not really scoring many touchdowns anymore. No, except for when he plays the Raiders. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, but they are playing each other this week, so I've got him at five. Uh, but I initially had him at eight, and then I looked at other matchups and other situations, like Justin Herbert might be down two receivers. You know, it, it, what do you do with that? Uh, Lamar Jackson's looked terrible lately. Uh, Josh Allen has actually hasn't looked that great. I'm probably going to flip-flop Allen and Mahomes. I'll probably go Allen over Mahomes. But I actually might move Dak down below them too. Well, we'll see. Um, it, 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 we've been talking about this last two and three, two three years. There's been a big separation in the top quarterbacks and the rest of the pack. Now you could have waited on a quarterback and gotten the right one. But point is, if you had value added quarterback, it was a big deal. This year, it's not that way. 
the, the, the gap has narrowed. And a lot of it is, I blame Big Fangio for a lot of this, for a lot of things in life, but <laughs> in particular this thing, uh, the, the, two, the two deep safety uh, set up here, it's, everybody's copycatting that because it kind of works. You see that Mahomes in particular, this is a Mahomes and Allen sort of defense. You're trying to get rid of those deep crossing routes. They're trying to get rid of anything that and forcing the nickel and dime them. And some of these quarterbacks can't read the defenses as well when they when they do that. They also aren't as patient. Uh, when Mahomes is patient, he can pick apart a team still. But you know, it, there there's a lot of things. Like, and I think so. Like a guy like Brady or Rogers, who's been around a longer, can read uh, you know better read where the blitz is coming from. They do fine. Uh, it's the other teams or the younger quarterbacks. They struggle with that, and we're, we're seeing that here. Uh, it, it, it's difficult, and Fangio is the first to do it, and other teams are copycatting him. 69187 is the text line. If you've got questions for Jeff Erickson, text them in now. Uh, is Booker a safe play over Barkley? No, he's not a safe play. Neither are safe plays this week. It might be down to the third-string running back, a uh, third-string quarterback in Jake Fromm, uh, you know, or Mike Glennon, who's I, you know, I don't think that it's not a relief to say, "Oh, thank goodness, Mike Glennon's playing." Uh, no, it, it, it's a <laughs> one mediocrity. So, you know, then he's going to see a lot of eight-man fronts. I'm going to go. I have Barkley over Booker, but they both get snaps. That's kind of part of the problem there too. They they, they cannibalize each other. Six nine one eight seven is the text line. Here's a fun one of two names that I didn't think I'd be asking about fantasy football: Amir Abdullah, or Rex Burkhead. What? It's the playoffs. It's it's two thousand. <laughs> <You know, laughs> 16. Yes, uh, it, there's a lot of those sort of names here. Uh, and, you know, it's, that, those are the guys that are available. If you've got Jonathan Taylor on by this week, you know, okay, Amir Abdullah might be the best on your waiver wire. I've got Abdullah 29 and Burkhead 33. Better than Adrian Peterson, both. <laughs> well, let me ask you that. Are you doing, what are you doing at all with the Seattle backfield? Because there's like three oh. names that might be the running back in Seattle this week. Three, three in Seattle. There's, uh, there, there's, Three in Buffalo right now. It's a mess. I've got Penny over Peterson, over Homer, over Dallas. There's like four names. DJ Dallas two weeks ago was like the trendy pass catching back between the two. And I don't think trendy at the because ever seen in the case, but the pass catching back with a smidgen of upside. And then he even barely saw the field last week. Um, Seattle, I'm just shaking my head. At. And it's a great match against Houston, but there's not. You can't really act on it. Does James Robinson play this week? Yeah, he'll play. I think there'll be a little squeaky wheel even. Uh, but you know, keep in mind, he's been banged up every week. Yep. Uh, the Jackson, uh, the Jaguars, they find new and inventive ways to screw their players up. If he's if he was, you know, 50-50 even play, why are you using on the last three plays of the game when it's a 30-point deficit? They're just they're so dumb. I, I, I There's no way to get around it. They're just an awful franchise. Uh, 69187 is the text line. This next one is about James Robinson. But can you trust James Robinson or DeAndre Hopkins this week? I'll go Hopkins. Uh, he made it through clean last week. Uh, I, I want to see the practice reports and all that. They start practicing today uh, because they have the Monday night game. But presuming there was no setback, yeah, I'm going with Hopkins. 69187, the text line. If you got questions for Jeff Erickson of RotoWire, you can send them in. Hunter Renfro or Elijah Moore? Renfro, Elijah Moore picked up a little bit of an injury. Uh, it, I still would have gone Renfro anyhow because I think his target's more bankable. But finally, the Jets have kind of made more the alpha. And keep in mind also that Corey Davis is out for the year. So it's more practice. I mean, I think they're both really good starts this week. I, I like them both. 
69187, the text line. Jerry, Judy, or Van Jefferson? Judy, um, and just please let the Wilson, Russell Wilson, the Denver rumors be true. That would be so good for Judy and for Sutton both. <laughs> they, I mean, Broncos have good receivers, like Sutton, Judy, and uh, Tim Patrick. Like They've got good receivers. You're right. Get somebody there that can throw them the ball. Exactly. Uh, there's a point in every draft this year where the top players are almost all Broncos. It's Sutton, Judy, Javante Williams, Fant. They're all in that sort of range, like sixth, seventh round. You're like, Okay, these are good players, but they're all in the Broncos. That's the problem. <laughs> Flex, uh, Jared Cook, and I, I think DeAndre Swift doesn't play this week, does he? I, I think he's highly doubtful. Uh, doubtful, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but it, they, Matt Campbell, uh, Dan Campbell wasn't that optimistic going forward at his press conference on Tuesday, so I, I would, I'd be skeptical that he plays. Uh, 69187, the text line, Kirk Cousins or Taysom Hill? Taysom Hill. Uh, I'm not going to be thrilled about it, uh, but and, and only because of his finger and because of the rain. But Taysom Hill ran for over 100 yards in an otherwise disastrous game. If you have some some scoring system that punitively punishes uh, interceptions, okay, that's one thing. Then maybe you, you can reconsider. Because uh, Hill isn't a good passer, but he's like Jalen Hurts in that he can be a valuable fancy player without being a good real-life quarterback. All right. I got killed by Mac Jones last week. I need a defense. Are the Saints my only hope to possibly score double digits? I think it's a really good week to stream defenses. Uh, the Saints are a good option. Uh, the Titans are a good option this week. The Chargers are a good option this week. Uh, there's a lot of good defense at the Packers. They're going to get Jair Alexander back. I think they're all, all really good options here. Even Seattle going up against Houston. Which one you want, Jared? Oh, I, I mean, he, I just needed him to confirm my bias towards the Saints because I, <laughs> what I've been doing all season is uh, if the like if the Patriots are playing somebody good, I grab whoever's playing the Jets. So you were just looking for somebody to confirm your already held opinion? Correct. Okay, got it. Okay, but an all, expert you know, did that's it. That's a good system. <laughs> you know, you can do the anti-Jets, anti-Lions, anti-Texans plan all season long, and you can usually find someone. There's just been a couple weeks when you haven't been able to do that. Uh, all right, last one for you, Jeff. Uh, which Chargers wide receivers do you think actually play this week? I think Williams plays. Uh, he's just a close contact. He didn't test positive himself. Um, and then Guyton is a guy that I've been picking up in places. Uh, he's their number three anyhow. Uh, I, I'm skeptical. I don't think that Allen plays. Uh, we, we haven't really seen too many positive tests play. There's been one instance. I think TJ Watt might have been able to pull it off uh, where he was vaccinated, tested positive, and still got his two negative tests over the course of the week, but very rare. So uh, I, I, I would count on not having Allen. It'll be an extra bonus if you get him. Wow. Uh- who is the worst player you're starting in any week, any league this week? Oh, um, I think I have a Burkhead team. I have one team. Oh, it's, it's a 16 team league, and oh. I, I had all, all of my uh, running backs got hurt, and every pickup, I, I got the long guy in pickups too. I have just it's one team that's an utter disaster of a team. I'm, I'm going to pull up this gem for you here, and I'll, I'll tell you who <laughs> the worst player is. But it, 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 it's really bad. Um, yeah, it's Burkhead. I, I am starting oh, Burkhead. In <laughs> Did you text in your own question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that, yeah. Or, or I could go with the great Alex Collins or Deontay Foreman. So, I mean, those are my those are my options. Alex Collins, it's tough. The league. Yeah. Well, he is Jeff Player Erickson. Sixteen teamer guys. It's sad. Yeah, it does really sound. Sad. I mean, hell, it's sad in twelve team leagues this week. So, yeah, sixteen team league. Yeah. No, thank you. He's Jeff Erickson from RotoWire. Jeff, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. You bet. My pleasure. Take care, guys. I might be picking up Amir Abdullah. Like that might I be just, happening. I, I actually just picked him up. What did you, he, did? Oh, what did he say about him? He's in Carolina. No, I know. I know where he's he is. In I Carolina? Know. Yeah, he's Carolina. He's McCaffrey's dead. out. Yeah. What about uh, Chupa? Chupa Hubbard and Amir Abdul are the two backs. Are the there. two backs? Chupa's and... kind of gotten more of the work, but uh, but la- last I have DeAndre Swift. They, they were on a buy. They were on a buy, but the right. week before, I think Abdullah got more touches. I think Abdullah more got out of the backfield. He I think got he got more six, receptions. I think he got six targets. Yeah. When McCaffrey went out and Hubbard didn't, Hubbard got like two carries. They were losing and so they were playing catch up or whatever. But the idea is that Amir Abdullah is going to be the pass catching back and yeah. could steal away carries as well from Chuba Hubbard and could be the running back in Carolina. So I yeah. might pick him up because yeah, I just picked him up. I have Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. I heard my him say Amir Abdullah and I went to one of my three teams like, I got four <laughs> guys in the shelf. I'm picking this guy up. It's an Amir Abdullah Rex Burkhead <laughs> week. All right. Coming up next, what the hell are the Coyotes doing? I, I have felt like uh, there was only one time, and I may have said it after a game, where I didn't feel like the same energy was there. But for the most part, our guy, our coaches do a fantastic job of getting us ready to play. And um, that's their job is to motivate us, you know, give us a plan that we feel great about and love and all that kind of stuff and, and, and go into it and, and fire. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. All right, Ed. Who's got worse accountants? The Coyotes or the Raiders? Oh, I'd say the Coyotes. (laughs) I mean, the the Raiders aren't in... Trouble of losing their uh, facility down in Henderson. I don't think I'm there enough. I don't see anyone with moving boxes trying to move everybody out. Not yet. So the story yesterday from The Athletic, the city of Glendale is threatening to lock the Arizona Coyotes out of Gila River Arena due to delinquent tax bills and unpaid arena charges. They apparently have $1.3 million in unpaid state and city taxes. Uh, The Coyotes have until December 20th to pay those. The Coyotes did put out a statement last night saying they plan to pay it all off in full today uh, and said that this was a result of human error. (laughs) Well, it's not a result of them paying their players too much. And if it is, they've got a major problem given how they look on the ice. Is Gary Bettman still clapping and clapping, saying this is a great place for hockey? Great market, terrific market. It's going good. So the other detail here is that a couple months ago in August, uh, the city of Glendale told told the Coyotes that they were not going to renew their lease agreement at Gila River Arena, which is basically saying the Coyotes are going to have to find a new place to play next season. This is the last year the Coyotes are playing at this arena. And now they're saying, oh, you haven't even paid your taxes or some arena fees to play at this facility. Now, on the Coyotes putting out a statement last night saying, this is human error, we're going to pay it all off in the morning. I guess good for them that they're going to pay it all off today. But 
they knew about this before That's right. yesterday. How, who's the human who didn't get the memo when they when they uh, were told that they already owed the taxes? Who's that person? I don't know. But like, they're like the whole idea of wow, we messed up. We'll pay it off tomorrow. Yeah. Is like they're trying to like play naive and like right. oh. Right, we well, forgot. Or we, we're we still the know. good guys. We yeah. yeah, we forgot. We didn't realize this, but like the story in the athletic makes it very clear, the Coyotes were aware that they had one point two million dollars in tax bills that they had not paid yet, and they're trying to play it off like, well, we just found out like everybody else did. So were they planning on just not paying? This? I think they were just going as long as they could without doing it. Like they just weren't going to pay they just, this one I mean, plus million dollars in taxes. Eventually, I think the people at the arena would have said, uh, "Listen, <laughs> um, we're missing this in our bank account. Can we please get this?" But no, they knew about it. They didn't pay about. They didn't pay it. I think they were going to go as long as they could. Which again is senseless. Look, the Coyotes—they're uh, horrible, but they have one point two million dollars. So what's right. the point of sitting around and not paying this? They didn't ask for $13 million in tax. They asked for $1.2 which, to, a, to a professional franchise. I don't the, care how bad you are on the ice. That's nothing. The, their two owners are both billionaires. No, yeah. It's like, that guy, whoever, that, they, they, either of them could walk in the morning, write a check, and never miss the money. I could understand, um, like, not paying some arena fees because they're getting kicked out of the arena. I could understand the logic in – well, we're not going to pay these arena fees, and when you kick us out, you're just never going to see that money because screw you, you're kicking us out. But not paying your taxes is a crime. Like that's the part. Like people, mm, not in this country. Well, yeah, true. But like that's the part where, that I don't get. Like if you're putting a middle finger up to Gila River Arena and the city of Glendale, and you're like, we're not paying for this place, right. you're kicking us out. I could understand the logic there, but just simply not paying taxes, like state state taxes. Aren't people? Aren't, don't you go to jail for that? Yes. I think that's why they're paying uh, it today. <laughs> there's some not yeah. There's some authorities knocking on the window. It does. You don't always go to jail, though. Not for the, always. For the most part, you don't go to jail. Right. <laughs> you get media's like he paid zero dollars well, in taxes. The owner's not going to jail, but they throw somebody in finances under the bus, oh, yeah. and that yeah. person goes to jail for the Coyotes. Or like around here, you just fire everybody. You just send them all you away. Just send them all Make away. Make them resign. Yeah. There were money problems. Something happened there. Where's the money? Do the Coyotes move? You think the Coyotes end up in a different city? Where? Not according to Bettman. I think he wants to keep them there as long as possible. I think Houston's the front runner if they move. Is it? Yeah. They want a hockey team. Well, some people want a hockey team.